What's up, Claim of Stories family? For the next couple of episodes, we've partnered with our friends at Feast Portland to share stories about creatives and entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. The Claim of Stories Feast Portland edition comes to you from Portland, a city that's rooted in an expressive, creative, and unfiltered spirit. It's America's culinary epicenter, filled with food carts, award-winning restaurants, and easy access to the outdoors. Come see for yourself. Plan your visit today at TravelPortland.com. Learn more about Feast Portland at FeastPortland.com. As the line started growing, she's like, look, dude, <laughs> these people are in front of my place. If, uh, <laughs> if you want to come inside and cook after we close, we close every day at 2. You can reopen as your own entity. And I thought, you know, why not? Why not? Yeah. But at this time, all those women uplifted me. Mm-hmm. Which, like, looking back on, I didn't realize that. But, like, no men were out there like, I want to help a brother out. <laughs> which is like... <laughs> What's going on, man? Now, anytime, yeah, yeah. And uh, the Fortune Kitchen is uh, primarily all women now. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just something I realized. Like, they empowered me so much. Like, I'm not saying I'm giving back. I'm just saying they should be uplifted like that. That should be something organic because so much knowledge. This is Claim of Stories, a show about leading and emerging BIPOC creatives and how they're able to claim their dream careers. Tell me where you want to go, where you want to be. I can help you claim a seat, get you on your feet. And on today's show, recorded live at Claim of Stories Feast Portland Edition, we speak with chef and entrepreneur Jawan Manuel, also known as Plant Based Poppy. Growing up in Flint, Michigan, Jawan witnessed Black entrepreneurship firsthand as his grandparents owned a grocery store that supported their community. By the age of 21, he was ready to step out on his own and decided to move out west to LA. To make ends meet, he found work at a local restaurant. And after some time, the LA lifestyle found its way into his diet influencing him to slowly remove meat from his meals. Not satisfied with the options, Juwan slowly started to create his own plant-based recipes. Eventually moving to Portland, he started selling his own dishes at a local farmer's market and gained a lot of momentum. So much momentum that he would open his own brick and mortar called Plant-Based Poppy with a mission to give back to his community. In our conversation ahead, Juwan shares a story about growing up in Flint, Michigan and hanging around his family's grocery store. The best thing about that is now, in retrospect, is I don't remember it being something that was special mm. at that time, mm-hmm. you know? It was just normalcy for us to go to my grandparents' store and work there and, like, exchange penny candy with the kids that were there at the store. Yeah. Or, like, go with my grandfather to the wholesale house to go, like, buy candies and chips and things like that. So, um, as an adult, when you see that, like, he was an owner and he cared about his community, those kinds of things strike totally different now. Mm. Mm. As as you think about kind of like your family and like and just that right uh-huh, like you yeah. got like these are like community changers like changing things in 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 the in the community. How do you think like that inspired you like as you thought about what you might become? Man, you it it sort of eventually helped me find my way because mm-hmm. no matter what like I moved out to Los Angeles when I was like twenty one. Mm. So I like left the Midwest, left Michigan. I'm going out west. What were you? Warm what were you initially going out there to do? Find myself. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. My parents were like, "Are you crazy? You ain't got no money to be going all the way out to Los Angeles." And 
<laughs> I packed up my Chevrolet and I was like, yes, I do. I've been working these hard jobs. Because I've been working in restaurants and things like that and, and crazy jobs. And I just drove out. You just, just drove out? Like you packed just picked my up bags, in the car and drove? Put in a two-week notice. Everybody's like, you're not going to leave. And I took that 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 big dive to just go out to Los Angeles. Mm. I didn't know what I was seeking. Yeah. Um, and once you grow older, you really realize you never know what you're seeking. You never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I just uh, I just drove out. Yeah. Yeah. Had some friends out there, couched it, and then figured it out from there. What did you start to do? Like, where did you start to kind of find stuff that? Man, I sort of did every one. I have a whole past before that, obviously with uh, school and like football and working in a ton of restaurants mm. and when I went out there I actually I had to share this story with my mom the other day I went out there and I worked at a restaurant one day <laughs> and I was like I did not move out here to be covered in flour all day or whatever is happening <laughs> so I literally they were like you can come back tomorrow and pick up your tips I was like okay <laughs> okay uh-huh and I just didn't show back up and <laughs> From there, I started out doing extra work. I was on CSI New York as an extra for like three seasons. What? <laughs> Nobody knows that. Yeah, we got to go back and watch CSI Yeah, New I was York. just like a lab tech. So, you know, <laughs> randomly people was like, I saw you hand an envelope to somebody. On. <laughs> like, no, you saw me go get free food every day on a studio lot. But it was great. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> outside of being an extra, you, you actually did find your way. Back, yeah, yeah, back yeah. into food. Uh-huh. What you know? How did you get into into vegan food? Like, was anyone in your family vegan? Like, how did you get introduced? Uh, into, to vegan my food? brother, uh, who's actually here. Hi, Johnny. I know he's gonna be mad at me for saying that, <laughs> but um, uh, he has been vegan for uh, longer than I have. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a thing that we tapped into. We always lived in separate cities. He's always been traveling all over the world and doing separate things. So, uh, at one stage, <clears throat> I just stopped eating meat i worked in kitchens so i stopped eating pork and red meat a long time ago it was like a no-brainer but like chicken seafood poultry all that kind of stuff i just one day i just i was i got down to a point where i was only doing seafood Mm. and we were like had some it was like um some grocery store in la and we got found like cheap lobster tails so me and my homies thought we were like balling because we were like (laughs) cooked lobster every night and i was figuring out how to fillet them and cut it and put in you know like butter and everything and then, like, one day I was like, you know what? This is going to be my last day eating seafood. And huh. that was just, like, my jump into no documentaries, no books. Eventually, <laughs> I, I educated myself on that yeah. process. But there was nothing there, man. I just, uh, my body didn't want it. I remember one day I was really broke in Los Angeles. <laughs> and I went to Vons. I got some chicken to make some <laughs> white chicken chili soup, which I now serve with jackfruit instead. Mm-hmm. My past is catching up. Um, but... I like shredded it, and when I went to eat it, it was just too chewy for me to digest. And that was the end of that for me. Wow. So that's actually a problem now because now everyone's like always asking me about what did you do to become vegan or what what should I watch? What What should I read? I'm like, my body just said no, and I stopped. (laughs) And And I listened. That was was the end of it. Yeah, yeah. There was no big, 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 big drum roll or anything. That was it, man. Yeah. So then, how do you go from becoming vegan to deciding you actually want to start? making food for other people it's funny sometimes when i'm in the kitchen i look at myself i said i told myself i wasn't gonna do this no more. <laughs> and here i am happy as a lark doing it you know it's just like your heart is going to like figure out what it wants and it's going right. to go that way regardless right. um how did i get back that way uh 
it sort of organically happened. So I had some friends in Los Angeles that own a, a like a, they were doing farmers markets and night markets. LA has uh, you know so many vegan options yeah. happening. And this thing called Veggie Fam, and they had always always been serving food. And we took a trip right before I moved to Portland. We took a trip to Thailand. And when I was, I've been vegan by that time. So they're like, I don't get how you're not eating, you know. <laughs> and I've been reading a book. I wish I remembered it, but I don't. But I gave it to a friend of mine uh, at that time because I was now trying to educate myself on what I'm eating, how I'm eating, all those things. And uh, one of the owners of Veggie Fam was like, "This is actually good. I should consider this when they." So when they went back from Thailand, we got back. They they uh, went vegetarian and mm. then slowly started. And now they're like full advocates. They huh. won't buy shoes that aren't vegan. That whole nine, wow. which is like definitely crazy and amazing but they started a, a company and like within four months they would did like a rihanna fenty event they were what? at complex Con- <laughs> they just like blew up so when i went back to la i was like yeah man like i don't know if we can fit you in the schedule and i'm like how can i do that <laughs> um so what happened was uh i got on the phone with my friend anthony and I hung up and he's like, dude, just do farmer's markets. Hmm. It's an easy way to intro yourself into this. So I called a bunch of farmer's markets in Portland. And this is like June, July. And they're like, we only accept people one time a year. We, they vet people. Yeah. I didn't understand that at the time. <laughs> You're um, like, no, but I'm trying to get in today. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, can I do this like this weekend? And I got a table. And let's, let's make it work. So um, they're like, no. Nah, that's but not this is my works. calling. I'm trying yeah, to get yeah, in. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I literally called 14 people that day, and they all said no. Mm. I left out of my house. I went for a walk. I went to uh, to go, go to a spin class. And leaving out of there, by chance, I see a friend's wife of mine. And she's walking by, and I'm like, hey, how's it going? Because they own a shop on uh, William Street in Northeast Portland. And she's like, I'm just looking for vendors to be a part of this market that I'm doing. Come I on. just can't find Come anybody. On. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> I got a whole company. And at that time, I was making it up in my head, like, I'm going to make tacos. It's going to be great. And uh, she was like, okay, be here next. You know, it was like three weeks from that time. Be here on that Wednesday and be ready. And I was like, cool. <laughs> Wait, so what experience did you have before that, before, like, that event? Uh, as far as cooking? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, going back to like high school okay. like I was always passionate about cooking and I ended up graduating and doing dual enrolling in a local high school I mean a local college program okay. uh, Applewood Cafe in Flint Michigan and I took a culinary course there okay and so I learned like the basics and then in order to like get through school and like actually just like provide for myself I worked at every food job <laughs> from Quiznos to <laughs> Jamba Juice to uh, Just Noodles Jamba and Company, <laughs> Outback Steakhouse. Like, I worked all these jobs. I actually worked in fine dining, too. I got an yeah. opportunity to work, um, which has actually really turned me on to, like, this could be something, but not at this stage in my life. But a uh, place called Lewis Benton, which is a fine dining steakhouse in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And there was a black guy named Lewis that worked there. And I walked in with, like, you know, when you're young, you're trying to, like, present yourself well. So mm-hmm. I had, like, a little hash, like, satchel bag and, like, my resume printed out. <laughs> and he was like, who are you, you know? <laughs> and it was, you know, no other black people worked. It was just him. So that was mm-hmm. super cool. And he sort of, ex- he was like, you know, I just want to, like, take you under my wing. So you show you huh. what's going on. So it was, like, super fine dining to the point where the maitre d' was a big deal. She wow. set up all the schedules for all the food. She walked it back into the kitchen. Before anyone came in, we knew exactly what they were eating, the temperature that the steaks need to be, you know, everything. It was like primo. The the floors were like, it was almost like a museum. (laughs) Spotlights on everyone. And it was one of those things that when I was going through that experience, the head chef, his name was Joey. He taught me a lot too. 
But uh, I just saw that lifestyle and I saw like how amazing it could be mm. at that time. And then, uh, yeah, I got motivated and went to go do extra work on CSI. <laughs> so I, I left for LA after that. I sort of gave it up. And that was like, I, I, I bagged it. Bagged it, yeah. I went to like, one, I'm, I'm getting out of the kitchen. Yeah, one day in LA, I was out there. I, was like, I did not move out here to be covered in flour. And um, so I let it go. <laughs> I let it go. And then, um, yeah, that. It's sort of it had been a thing at home. I started making recipes, mm. and I'm like, everyone else is doing something, you know, online extra. Yeah, yeah and it, uh, I was doing a lot of work where I would only maybe work eight to ten days a month in, mm-hmm. in Portland. Mm-hmm. So I had all this extra time, and I'm a huge advocate for working for self. And I told myself I would hate it if in the future I had to go back to working a nine to five when I had four or five years of so much free time. Right. And I had to create something. Right. So, uh that's was ma- the main motivation was I have to create something. I want to be a part of something. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, that that sparked it. What? So how did that that market go? You had three weeks. You said to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I like went out and bought all this because I had three things. I wanted to create jackfruit, uh, jackfruit taco, mm-hmm. uh, truffle mac and cheese taco, and the, a nacho. Which it was a last minute spin. I'm like I'm gonna throw a nacho in <laughs> there throw too. A nacho. <laughs> And nobody, oh my God. <laughs> they walked by that thing and I was like, cool, this is great. You know, uh, like I went home and I ate jackfruit for like three months at that time. <laughs> I, I ate it for the markets to come to come. To come. Um, but that's just how it was. You that's know, was. I was how'd super you, proud. How'd you deal with that? Like, did you like take it as like, maybe I shouldn't do this? Or were you like, I'm going to figure this out? I didn't see it. I didn't care. It was just something extra that I wanted to do in life. And. Uh, you know, I be- I sort of believe in things figuring themselves out. I'm passionate about cooking, so yeah. I was like, it'll it'll figure itself out. So I was there all the time. It was raining sometimes. I have to move the table back. <laughs> like, you got a pancake griddle heating up tortillas. What are you doing? <laughs> but at that time, I was giving them the same energy that if you walk into one of the locations now that I give you then. Like, I was just happy to be there. Yeah. Yeah, and like to be a part of my community. And then it started being a thing because people were like, I ain't never seen no, you know, totally vegan taco thing happening in our community like this. Yeah. At that time specifically. So there's plenty now, but. At that time, it was something that people hadn't seen. So it was like black dude selling tacos on a corner. <laughs> and they <Okay>. vegan. <laughs> yeah, and they vegan. Who is this? Yeah. They're like, this is Portland. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Portland. Um, and funny enough, it just, that line started growing. Started growing. Yeah. So I think also a part of your journey has been mentorship by uh-huh. women, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we talked a lot about that. Uh, I think Fatu from Akadi and, uh-huh. and some of the other folks. Um, how did that come to be? And like, how did you respond and embrace that mentorship? It was so weird. Even before her, um, there was a, a woman named Leanne that owns Frigg's Merchantile that was on MLK. And okay. at the time, I didn't have a car in L.A. So I would walk up and down MLK and I would always pass by Frigg's Merchantile because they had like, she had like shea butter. And I'm like, what was this white woman that got <laughs> shea butter inside of a Merchantile place? Um, so I would go in there and buy it and spark up conversations. And at that time, I'd started doing K2, like a cooking series on K2. It was like yep. three minutes of flash frying something. And it was just like, I made tacos, put it together. And then she's like, <laughs> it was just like a filler space. Yeah. And I, I realized that after a while. But she did it too. She used to do the series. And she was like, it's a mess, right? I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and we connected on that. And then my very first thing is I did a vegan cheese making class in her space. Huh. So she was the first woman to come in and do that. In the meantime, um, then I... Um, Andrea, that, mm-hmm. uh, Audrey, excuse me, at um, 
that was finally walking down the street that asked I want to pop up. And then I needed real mentorship and I didn't know anything about the industry at that time. So I used to always frequent um, Akadi mm. with Fatu and mm-hmm. she just, I don't know if anyone's ever met Fatu at Akadi, but she's like a light. You walk in, she's laughing. What's up, dude? How are you? What's going on, man? I'm tired, man. And as soon as I, as soon as I connected with her, I'm like, this is a person that's obviously done it. She told me that she started out of her PSU dorm room serving African meals out of there. Wow. Um, because she was like, it was a way to make food while she was in college. Mm. And she was like, trust me. And now she's in a restaurant. So she sat down with me on a Wednesday one time randomly. She was like prepping for a catering thing. And she sat down with me in the side room and just told me everything I would need to know, how we need to go. And then like, I just took it from there, you know? Wow. Yeah. She was great. She's great. Yeah. Every, and then from there, just to bring it back around to where I was at that taco stand, I started, the line started growing. Mm-hmm. And on that corner, there's Poa Cafe. Okay. And Janice Groob is uh, the owner of Poa Cafe. And as the line started growing, she's like, look, dude, <laughs> these people are in front of my place. If uh, <laughs> if you want to come inside and cook after we close, we close every day at two. You can reopen as your own entity. And I thought, you know, why not? Why you know? not? Yeah. But at this time, all those women uplifted me, mm-hmm. which like looking back on, I didn't realize that. But like no men were out there like, I want to help a brother out, <laughs> which is like... <laughs> He was but like, what's going on, man? Now, anytime, yeah, yeah. And uh, the Fortune Kitchen is uh, primarily all women now. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just something I realized. Like, they empowered me so much. Like, I'm not saying I'm giving back. I'm just saying they should be uplifted like that. That should be something organic because so much knowledge. When we come back, Joan recalls the whiteness of the vegan food industry. For this week's Community Stories feature, presented by 99designs by Vistaprint, Let's hear from Kai Norte, owner of Kube Ice Cream, a plant-based ice cream brand and manufacturer based in Oakland, California. Passionate about offering consumers a healthier ice cream, Kai shares a story about creating a special design for merch and the importance of restorative economics and food justice. I come from a background in biotech, so I study cancer cells and food systems that cause cancer in people. Um, I also have worked in social work, youth development programs, and juvenile justice rehabilitative uh, programs like uh, National Youth Courts, Ella Baker Center for Human Rights, Alameda County Probation, Glide Teen Center, and really connecting teenagers um, in trouble with the law uh, with other community resources for rehabilitative programming um, and support, and also workforce development programs. So Kube is a Black woman-owned vegan artisanal coconut ice cream manufacturing company and brand that is also a social enterprise uh, because we are addressing the most critical issues of our time. Uh, We're talking about restorative economics and food justice, racial and gender equity and ecology and saying, look, we are going to produce our own coconut cream here locally in Oakland, California, and not rely on synthetic chemicals and processed coconut cream overseas from other countries. And so we're deciding to be a manufacturer and produce our own cold-pressed organic coconut cream from mature coconuts. It's really about building the inclusive and, and regenerative economy with vegan ice cream manufacturing. And so when I'm talking about our triple bottom line, 
It's restorative economics. And that looks like hiring returning citizens, giving people second chances at higher wages, and also mothers returning to the workforce. And young folks who have been, or younger adults who have been emancipated from the foster care system. And we're saying that we want to repair the harm that has been done by the food system. We're talking about creating a, a regenerative, healthier food system. Like many small businesses, Kube faced a few challenges due to COVID-19, but also discovered new business opportunities. During the pandemic, our demand soared. I mean, it was just super challenging to supply the demand for Kube, but we did it. We had to focus on direct-to-consumer, so we sold online e-commerce. And, you know, we had a really large fan base, so once we sold online, our demand far exceeded our capacity to supply. And so we sold out fast. People were happy to come pick up Kube and people are still picking up Kube. Revenue went down a little bit during the pandemic because we weren't able to sell to uh, tech companies and different corporate events, but we had a spike in revenue in another direction, direct to consumer. So at Kube, we're really looking forward to our new manufacturing facility with our own scoop shop in the summer of 2022. We're super excited to build community around real plant-based ice cream connected to fun dance classes and fitness activities in the space. So this is going to be a really beautiful and engaging space to really build relationships with our customers. And people want to feel the energy and the vibe in the brand of Kube. And so it feels good to really be redefining what the future looks like and creating healthier, more progressive um, jobs for people. I got to go through all the designs. I got to write out what I wanted, what I was looking for. I think we had about 60 designs to choose from, and we were looking for a design to go with the logo for a t-shirt, for a black t-shirt coming out next summer. We ended up choosing one designer who really stood out to me. I was really excited because, well, the design just just beautifully reflected the brand of Kube and it just looks really magical and there are these palm leaves that surround the coconut which is like resembling the tree of life. It's a very unique magical design that I couldn't really find from some of the other designers but they were all all the designers created something creative and unique but this one just really stood out. I had a really fun and beautiful experience. That was Kai Norte, owner of Kube Ice Cream, a plant-based ice cream brand and manufacturer based in Oakland, California. Learn more about 99 Days of Design, a 99 Designs by Vistaprint initiative at 99designs.com slash 99 Days of Design. Hey, it's Bima. Welcome back to Claim of Stories. So Jawan is coming to terms with being the only black plant-based chef in Portland. One, Portland is very white. <laughs> but the vegan space in Portland is even more white, you know? And you realize that the more of these events and things that you do that, uh, that I represented something, you know, I was sitting down with some friends and they are like, I think you're the only black man that has like a vegan business 
in Portland. And mind you, that's very specific. That's like yeah. how they do LeBron stats. Like he's the only player <laughs> on a Wednesday night to shoot 33 shots and make 23 of them. Congratulations. But but still, but still, to me, that was like it represents something because now it's like we're in a space that's unfamiliar. Yeah. And we have to figure out how to uh like make it work. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you know, I think you and I connected at my, my wife's event. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. That pop up. And yeah. uh, this is the first, like, I, I, I'm dead serious. This is the first time, like, yeah. I've ever seen this version of a black man. Like, this, like, <laughs> that fact. I'm dead serious. We and, were militant when we were at Gates, too. I mean, we, yeah. I mean, yeah. We were working. We showed up. We worked. Kev <laughs> was like, everything. I was like, yeah, great. Thank you. Have a good You're day. like, good. I'm it, trying to get this done. The, the idea had been building then, you know, yeah. the, 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 Customers were there. They were very supportive. And I was just focused on delivery yeah. and how to be able to, like, build this more. So, mm-hmm. again, putting on blinders and just focusing on, like, how can I move forward from here? Yeah. yeah. So, like, what was also interesting about that mm-hmm. was I think that was my introduction to you. Mm-hmm. And that introduction was a line mm-hmm. around the building. Yeah, yeah. Um, where those where, lines? Where did this name Plant Based Poppy come from? Like you've been building this brand, right? Man, where does yeah. like where did that origin come from? My friend Jade, uh, Los Angeles, she's a model. I met her on set one day, and like we're both putting on shea butter and uh, <laughs> coconut oil at the same time on a, like a transferring bus because we're on a Nike run shoot, so we're like rubbing ourselves <laughs> down, and we had the same exact shea butter and the same back coconut oil and we're like looking at each other like we're just like meant to be so <laughs> long story short is she ended up moving up here to full-time focus on sports modeling okay and she was like you should just move in with me and so i moved in and it was just like a bunch of us all we did was like work out all day and blah 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 but part of that was uh like no one could cook in the house <laughs> but i was so passionate about cooking and at that time i was trying to make all my meals that I started cooking, and she, we, we also love Drake. So I think a new album had just dropped, maybe. And uh, we were listening to it one night, and I was cooking. She was like, all right, plant-based poppy, because his, cause his moniker on Instagram is Champagne Poppy. Right, right. And she was like, I see you, uh, plant-based poppy. And then from there, I didn't know what to use as my Instagram moniker, because mm. years later, I started it. And actually, I had had that, I think, or years later, whatever. And... Uh, I just decided to go with it, not knowing that now I have to go around trying to explain to grown people <laughs> and banks and tax people, like, yo, what is it? Happy poppy. <laughs> Sounds great, you know? <laughs> Embarrassing. But you gotta stick with it. Man. You gotta stick with it. It's you the gotta brand stick now. With it. Yeah, it's a brand now. So you looking forward to certified level boy? <laughs> man. <laughs> We were back in the bag. I already got like the downloaded, ver- like the leaked version, but I refuse to listen to it because I support I support artistry in its yeah. full and all of its craft. So I like I'm gonna listen to it, but I'm just still gonna like support it. You support the album? I mean, I feel like your brother would be mad at you. If you if, <laughs> My brother would definitely be mad if at you me. You weren't listening to music in the appropriate way. Pirating music, yeah, you shouldn't do that for sure. Um, so tell me about what you've been working on lately, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you're you have a partnership with Fortune. Uh-huh. Like, how did that come to be? Um, one consistency, just moving forward. You know, I had met Eric through passing in like different capacities, uh, out and about in Portland. And I knew he was like, he was passionate about veganism Mm -hmm. because his, a lot of his bars that he had owned or restaurants, um, uh, carry like heavy vegan, strong menus and things like that. So in passing, one of my friends was just like, yo, you should meet Eric. And he was like, yo, I need some uh, consulting on a menu sometime. This is like years ago. I'm like, okay, I'm going to a club. I'm out with my friends. I'm not trying to consult right now. (laughs) 
but uh, lo and behold, you know, uh, I kept going and it kept building and the stars aligned with that whole thing. So he contacted me in December when I actually planned on opening, before I planned on opening up the first brick and mortar location on 14th and Morrison. Right, right. And uh, he just sort of went down a line with me like, I think we should do this and this thing. And he was like, but I would love for you to come in as a partner with that. Hmm. And then I didn't hear anything about it. And then I got caught up in the rap of opening up a space that I did not want to do. Because <laughs> I'd never been wanting to like own a restaurant. Mm. You know, I just had ideas I wanted to create yeah, and I was online. And that was it. And once they start selling, I realized that you start employing people. Mm-hmm. You start, you know, you want to you feed this beast this, of this positive energy sure. thing yeah. that's going on in the city. It's so cool to feel and see. And when the lines are wrapped around the corner, like that whole thing was amazing to me. So I got busy uh, with the brick and mortar place trying to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. Because you know? it was the first day, it was like four, over 420 something people in line. And it's just wrapped around the block. And I'm yeah. like, I didn't even plan on it being. He's like, I don't have enough yeah. food for this. Why are you outside right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so lost. But. Um, I figure, you know, we are still figuring it out. I'm realizing this is a process that you just have to grow into. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that's one of the the edges that we do have is that we keep changing the menu. We keep growing. The recipes keep changing. I'm not stopping. You Mm -hmm. know, this is something that like at first it was like fun and it was like cool. But now it's like I have to turn a corner and keep growing. We have community here. Right. You have a bunch of owners in town that are black and they want to represent something. And, like, I want to be a part of that now. So mm. it's something that I, I can't let go at this moment. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm super steadfast. But getting back to what you were saying about <laughs> Eric, sorry, I do that a lot. My, my friends You're are fine. here like, there he is. Um, You're fine. <laughs> but going back to Eric, I got so wrapped up in that. And finally, it started to float, you know. Yeah. And then, uh, like, two months before we planned on opening, he contacted me back, like, it's back on if you're open. And at that time, I sort of got it sort of on autopilot mm-hmm. over there. And I said yes when I shouldn't have said yes. <laughs> and I started negotiating like I knew what I was talking about. But uh, it helped. I sat down with some of those mentors, Fatu. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. asked her so many questions because yeah. they packed up, sold some of their recipes to Green Zebra, or leased mm-hmm. them out, and they went to Africa. Yeah. It was like, man, so that's going to be my next journey because I'm going to sell all these recipes I'm and go dipping. back to Africa or something for a while. <laughs> like, that's a beautiful thing. So. Mm-hmm. But she helped me through that process, too. She yeah. talked to me a lot about wh- what I should say, how I should value my business, mm. what franchising might look like, and mm. um, how to sell recipes. Um, but it was great. We ended up, I ended up, I'm a partner over there. So that ended up being like a cool situation for me, yeah. um, having that. And then, uh, and and everyone over there, I'm gaining so much insight. Some of them have been in the business for so long. For years, and, right? Yeah, yeah. And they have so much input and ownership of so many of the vegan establishments in Portland. So we got a lot planned moving forward that I'm super excited about. Uh, you know, you've been talking about like re kind of discovering your career in this space, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you, you initially were like super hard. Like I'm not no, doing this. Yeah, right? I'm done with it. Um, no flower on me. <laughs> yeah, no, no flower on no me. No flower on me. That might be your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you think about like like the business side of it and like thinking about like the ownership and also the representation for like other folks that that look like you like how do you deal with that do you feel like it's pressure do you feel like it's obligation or do you like just feel like it's something you enjoy at this point i feel like uh that's nothing that i'm i'm this kind of person i'm not really concerned with that that will work itself out as long as you're as good of a person as you need to be and you're really connected to the people that are around you and you're trying to do good, like these opportunities just start clicking. You mm-hmm. know? As a black person, I definitely know that 
Like, uh, when you even look at this space, um, I went to talk to Tal at Aviv yesterday. Okay. Just, just randomly having a conversation. My family's in town, so I wanted to take them by. <laughs> and he even said it. He was like, man, I've never seen anything like what you're doing in town, you know, mm. and, uh, and how much he admired that. And I admired him so much because so many things have spun out of what Aviv once was and what he is and so many people like best friend, yeah. juicery, like, and I'm like, I want to be able to create something like that, mm-hmm. but for also for black people and for, for sure. them to see a person like me navigating in this space, uh, I think is important, very important because you don't see it, you know, when people ask what you do is like, Oh, you know, I work at this place or I do that for them. And I'm like, no, I'm an owner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I want to push that narrative further because it's not about food for me at this stage. It's more like, how do I, how do I grow this properly and give to my community at the mm. same time? Yeah. Like I want them to understand that I, I care so much, you know, that I'm here and they're so, they've been so supportive and representative of that support. So, uh, you know, everything I, you know, even if I'm posting a new menu, I go there and it's like, man, the same people. It's been four years. Y'all still <laughs> y'all showing still up. Here. <laughs> and that is so, but that's so genuine, you yeah. know, and I want to be able to feedback and give them even more the right way. The so right way. that's been a main focus of mine, especially as a black owner. And I want to eventually just it to be normalized. Yeah. That when you see a black man in a vegan space, it, you don't have to this. be like, wow. Yeah. Like, wow. You know, <laughs> it's soul food. I'm making tacos. <laughs> I'm not making now sort of my menus have went that way but for now I mean at that at the time you know I got that a lot at first like yeah. there's a vegan soul food plate I'm like I'm not one he's like I collard didn't, greens, that's not what I said anything ribs <laughs> not really but um, uh, even you know that 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 being a thing like I think the narrative is being normalized mm. black people need to be normalized in these spaces and just seem to be it's a restaurant yeah even veganism needs to be normalized in spaces yeah. it's just food that tastes good that's why it's plant-based poppy good vegan food yep it should just be good food i'm taking a vegan out <laughs> <laughs> but you know you just want to make good food for yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't want to have to have all these labels thrown mm-hmm. on you these no thrown on you, because right? as soon as you attach that to something just like as black people we know as soon as you walk into something our skin is attached to us yeah. There's so many uh, stereotypes, even subconsciously, that people don't even realize that they're pulling off on us, and uh, which is okay. And that's something that we have to rise above in every in every facet. So I know that way about vegan food too. You yeah. know, I know local chefs in town. And they're like, oh, the vegan, uh, you know, I'll come by sometime. You know? And I'm like, okay, you know, because like the Let's flavor pro- profile and things like that. I'm focused on mm-hmm. that stuff to, for making it better. Texture is very important to me. You know, making sure that people feel as if they aren't missing out on anything. Right. As far as that transition to veganism is very important to me. How do you come up with the dishes that you come up with? Like, uh, where's the inspiration uh, come up? You just I literally like, be in a grocery store, <laughs> like putting together dots. Like, man, if I can, because I've been wanting to do so many different things, uh, and I just get inspired. It's literally my art. You know, I will sit at home and we're watching something. I'm like, man, they don't got nothing to do with it. You know. <laughs> Like, I should really make a vegan lobster roll because they don't sell <laughs> vegan lobster rolls in Portland anywhere. And that could be a thing. And it actually ended up being the thing for a yeah. while. I need to work on that. But um, <laughs> I sort of took it off everything. Like, it's not worth it yet. But, you know, that's that's how it happens. And I sit at home. I put on a podcast. I listen to some Jay-Z or some good music. And I just, like, cook for hours. Wow. And then take all those photos and post them on Instagram and cross my <laughs> fingers that people want to eat it so I can make a new menu somewhere, wherever I'm at. Yeah. yeah I yeah. love it. I yeah. love it. It's pretty intuitive for you. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's uh, therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of like get away from everything. It's just mm-hmm. you, your music, your thoughts, and Man, the food. It's, it's 
so amazing. Yeah. My happy place. I love it. Yeah. So I ask this one question to everyone, okay. right? And I ask you to think about your experience uh-huh. and the pivots you've made, the turns, the things that, you know, you weren't going to do. Uh-huh. No, not not gonna be covered in flour. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look how that turned out. Um, you know, when you think about some of these aspiring chefs and mm-hmm. inspiring kids that that want to kind of go down your path, uh-huh. right? Normalize, right? The yeah. things that you've been able to do. What advice would you give them? Keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many things that could weigh you down to make you not keep moving. But the whole thing is, you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Nothing matters. People come. This is gross. I'll never come. Okay. You know, I'll be back next week. Please come back. You know, (laughs) recipe might change. But that's the thing that I would tell them. All this thing is about, that's what life is about. It's about figuring it out. Putting these pieces together, making it make sense. And the only way you're going to do that is by trial and error. So you should fail and you should fail fast. Um, That's very important to me. You know, I think also, I mean, it sort of may be ahead of them, something they should understand. And I, I made this quote as well about Van Lathan said, like the black people before us, like my grandfather and stuff, uh, like it was like they survived. You know, they came from the south, up north in the Great Migration and things like that. And they survived the situation. It's like our generation of black people is like, what are we going to build? Hmm. We're at a building stage. We are architects of like our future of what a foundation can be laid. So now we can employ wow. and we can empower them. Wow. That. And I think that's where the normalization will come from. That was Juwan Manuel, chef and entrepreneur behind Plant Based Poppy. Find out more about Juwan and get access to all of our episodes at Amazon Music. The Claim of Stories Feast Portland Edition comes to you from Portland, the kind of place where new ideas are welcome and you can truly be yourself. A creative city that's committed to being a more vibrant, progressive, and inclusive place than ever. Come see for yourself. Plan your visit today at travelportland.com. Special thanks to Feast Portland and Oregon Contemporary for hosting this live podcast series. If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Claim of Stories. Our show this week is produced by BJ Fergozo, original music, production, and scoring by Adrian Anaya, and vocals provided by Priscilla. And special thanks also to VDOT, Professor H, Jordan Dinwiddie, Nick Pop, Lily Lynn, Nicole Early, Becky Mathai, and Amin L. Falele. I'm Bima, and you've been listening to Claim Us Stories. <laughs>